couple of verses into your hearing tonight. Try not to preach a long time. Second Corinthians chapter number 13. Second Corinthians chapter number 13. Read two verses. Verse number five and verse number eight. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses five and eight. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And then in verse eight, for we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. I want to title a message tonight, Taking Spiritual Stock of Our Life. Taking Spiritual Stock of Our Life. Thank you, Father, for your word. Oh, God, if I could put a price tag on the service already, how your spirit is already moved and touched and spoken unto us by the Holy Ghost, Lord, it'd be priceless. I can't exchange anything for that, nor would I want to. Lord, I ask you that you'll put a premium upon your word tonight and anoint every ear to hear what the Spirit hath to say through the Holy Scripture. And that, God, you'll do a work in us, an everlasting work. God, that we'll examine our own heart and soul in life tonight. Lord, if there be anything that's not like Christ in us, that we would rid ourselves of it tonight, that we would leave this house more like him what we came in. There can be no greater prayer that I could pray than to be like Jesus. Grant it, O God, work miracles around this altar. And for it, I thank you in advance. We ask it together in Jesus' name. You love the Lord, would you say amen? taking spiritual stock of our life. Paul, if you read the entirety of the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul's authority as an apostle had been brought into question by some in the Corinthian church. No doubt they took issue with how he spoke to them in the first epistle correcting them for gross sin that was found in that church. So in the last four chapters of 2 Corinthians, he writes this second epistle unto them to vindicate his authority in Christ. He began by stating it was Christ who gave him his authority and called him to be an apostle. He follows by saying, you've examined me in this chapter, you've examined me requiring proof of my authority, my apostleship in Christ. But here's his word under them in our text. But I say to you, examine yourselves. And that's what I want us to do in this service tonight. Let us examine ourselves. Do the same thing that he asked of the Corinthian church. Are we in the faith? You know, Jude said that we should earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. I'm not just talking about doctrine, about theology. Am I living in the faith? 
The Apostle Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. Am I living by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was? That's what he's asking that church in Corinth. Examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. Does Jesus Christ truly live in us? In this spiritual evaluation, I want us to look at three aspects in our mind tonight. Number one, a personal examination. It's found in verse 5 as he exhorts us to examine yourselves. And then secondly, a personal demonstration. Also in verse 5 where he said, prove your own selves. And then last, a personal realization where he said, know your own selves. Let's look first at a personal examination. A personal examination is your personal faith and testimony. Can you honestly say, I know Jesus lives in me. A lot of people say, I believe that Jesus lived, died, rose again on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and is coming back again one day. I got, I confessed him as my Lord. I got baptized. I got this. I got that. But can you say, I know tonight Jesus lives in me? Would your faith pass the test? Or the trial of scrutiny if it were to be examined by Christ himself tonight. If we're going to answer that question, if we're going to examine our own life under the microscope of God's word and ask ourselves, am I in the faith? There are some questions we must ask ourselves. Number one, is my faith a sound faith? A sound faith. 1 Corinthians 15 and 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain or counterfeit or no good. You are yet in your sins. For faith to be sound, it must reside in a risen, living Savior. A risen, living Christ. You say Easter was last week. I know, but our doctrine, the fundamental of our faith in Christianity is Jesus is alive every day, not just on Easter, but every day of our lives. Listen, I I was touched and moved as a few weeks ago on Facebook, a pastor friend of mine in Jacksonville, Florida was given a testimony of maybe a year or two ago, they had. Uh, took a church out of state. It didn't go so well. They were only there for about six months and things kind of blew up and went bad. And there was a lot of things said and done during their time there. It hurt and scarred their oldest boy terribly to the point he he didn't want his mom and dad to be in the ministry anymore. He didn't want to be a pastor's son anymore. He didn't want to be in the bullseye, in the crosshair anymore. He began to go online and over the internet and began to do his research, you know, watching church people. He 
he began to think if, you know, if this is what being a Christian is, I don't need this. If this is what the living for God is all about, I don't know that I want to live for God. And he began to let the devil talk to him and begin to question the authority of the Bible, whether or not God was in fact real, whether or not Jesus was indeed alive. He got on the internet and began to chase all kind of atheistic doctrine and atheistic teachings and all these different gods and all these different religions. And he made up his mind that there really was no God, that Christianity was just like every other religion, you know, that it was just man's attempt to know a God that maybe did not exist. He grew hard. He grew cold. He grew calloused. He grew very dark in his soul. In the meantime, his mom and dad are begging him, urging him, you know, making him go to church, but watching him deny Christ, watching him as he drifted further and further of a fear of not being able to reach out and tell other Pastors, for fear of somebody talking about your child. A fear of not being able to tell the church family for fear of somebody chopping him down or them down because of him. But constantly bombarding the throne room of God for their son. Oh God, speak to our son. Oh God, manifest yourself to our son's heart and life. Oh God, get a hold to him on that pew. Oh God, draw him in that altar. Oh living God of glory, come down in our boy's midst and let him know that you're alive. Here just a few Sunday nights ago, the glory of God fell in that sanctuary and that teenage boy was drawn once again to that altar. And God poured it out on him and poured it out on him and poured it out on him. And that church gathered around him. They were weeping and crying and worshiping in the presence of a living Christ. And that living Christ was manifesting himself to a teenage boy in reality. When that service was over, he grabbed the mic and testified how far he had drifted away from God. Oh, but he stood there with tears streaming down his face and his testimony was, I know he's alive. I know that he lives. He has spoken to my heart. He has dealt with my soul. He has touched and changed my life. He has saved me again in this altar. Listen, to be fundamentally sound in the faith, we must believe in a risen Savior. Not just historically, but presently. I don't want my children to just know a historical figure named Jesus. You know, we learn about historical figures named George Washington. Believe he was a good man, a great president. Historical figures like Abraham Lincoln. He, he, he was president of our nation during one of the most difficult times that any man could have ever served in office. Believe he was a good man and a great president. We could go down the line, other historical figures. Uh, 
You know, Thomas Edison, a, a great inventor. On and on, we could list figures throughout history, but uh, and indeed, Jesus was a man. Indeed, Jesus did live in the past, which makes him a figure of history. But unlike them, he's alive right now. Unlike them, he is relevant to my today and to my tomorrow. They, they, are, they are very limited in their impact because they are dead and gone. And they can no longer contribute to our society, to our life, or to our home. But Jesus is not like that. He is not dead and gone with the inability to contribute. He is alive and well and has all power and can do anything that I need him to do. I must have that kind of faith. I know my Redeemer lives. I must be absolutely convinced of it if my faith is sound. Listen, Romans 5 and 10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were lost, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, that's Calvary, much more being reconciled, that is now that I'm saved, we shall be saved by his life. To say that again, he said, if when we were sinners, enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, now being reconciled, how much more shall we be saved by his life? If I was reconciled by his death, that was saved past tense, how much more shall I be saved present tense through the living the, the, the living Savior, the living Christ. Uh, I was saved by his death. Uh, I'm being presently saved because he's alive. Because he lives, uh, I live. I can't have a 20-year-old experience. I can't have a historical head knowledge and just say I've been reconciled to God. I must have a saving knowledge. I have been saved I am currently being saved. And when Christ comes back in glory, I shall forevermore be saved. He's alive. Listen, not only are we to have a sound faith, but a saving faith. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. In Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith. This living Savior transforms our life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. I am more than a conqueror through him. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It is not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. That saving faith, Christ presently, currently, living, abiding in my life. Not only is this a sound faith, it is a transforming, saving faith that transforms a man from sinner to saint, 
from death to life, from darkness to light, oh, from earth to glory. This is our faith. Not only is it a sound faith, a saving faith, but also it must be a steadfast faith, meaning it has to last. Has to last. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. We need a faith that is vigilant, valiant, and victorious. Not like one who has conviction one moment, but is moved by every ebb and flow and is torn to shreds by each trial by fire. It doesn't matter if somebody makes fun of me. I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that that I committed unto him against that day. I'm persuaded. I'm committed. Commit thy ways unto him in all thy ways. Acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. God's looking for a steadfast faith. What if somebody hurts your feelings? What if they lie on you? What if they talk about you? What if they make fun of you? What if they persecute you? Oh, God forbid that someone would persecute me for my faith. You know, Pentecost hadn't always been popular. They used to get egged. Sure did. Throw up those brush harbors I'm talking about in the early pioneering days of the Assemblies of God and the Church of God. There were no such churches in these lands when you came into them. I I, I hear tell Brother Clendenin said there were some places they went in Texas. He's one of his best friends, Brother J.C. Hibbert. He said was evangelizing that area. No Pentecostal churches there. Said the county sheriff met him at the county line and said, we don't want your kind here. You don't need to be bringing that. Whatever you're bringing into this county, these are good folk. He named off different nominal churches and he said, we got enough churches here. We don't want your kind here. He said he left. He said we eased on across the county line and set up a brush harbor on the side of the road. He said they just had to come to see if it was real or not. They just had to find out for themselves if I was crazy or if I had some kind of white powder that I was blowing in people's face, making them speak in tongues. He said they found out that I was preaching this Christ, preaching him alive, preaching him with power and signs and wonders and miracle this living reality of the baptism of the Holy Ghost Uh, he said people were getting saved people were being healed they were being baptized uh, in the Holy Ghost Uh, he said folk from those nominal churches he said they set up a brush harbor just sticks uh, limbs posts on the side 
with a little, uh, you know, a makeshift thatch roof made out of limbs and bushes and, uh, you know, leaves and stuff. Uh, he said they come and they sawed the post off at the ground and tied the strings to them and covered them, covered those strings up with the dirt. Waited for us to get under there. He said, Brother Daniel, we were singing the songs of Zion. He said they took and snatched those posts out uh, from the ground, made the brush harbor fall in on us. Uh, he said they hated us, uh, persecuted us uh, for preaching Pentecost. He said we shook off the leaves uh, and the dust and the thatch roof come out from under there and just scooted off to the side and continued to sing the glory of God and preach the praises of Christ. He said, you know what? He said, they don't persecute us anymore. He said, the world actually likes us. We're no longer a threat unto them. Listen, we decided we didn't want the persecution. So we embraced that world and became like that world so that they wouldn't talk ugly about us. So that they wouldn't say mean things about us. Where is a Daniel, a Shadrach, and and an Abednego that'll say, I'm not eating the king's meat offered unto idols. I'll prove God by his word that if you leave us alone for 10 days and let us eat pulse and come back and check on us, if our countenance is not as good as or better than these men that are eating the king's meat, then we'll do what you tell us. And when he came back, their countenance was fair. The Bible said that Daniel would not defile himself by eating the king's meat. When they passed a law saying if any man prays to any other God except for the king he said he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel threw his window open like he always did and he prayed to his God like he always did and the king threw him in the lion's den like his enemies wanted the king to do and Daniel marched down into that lion's den in the face of the lion and they thought he's either going to can is God or he's going to be eaten by lions but David even or Daniel even in the face of the lion he prayed like he always did and God sent an angel and stopped the mouth of the lion I want to tell you if your faith is steadfast like that of Daniel God will send an angel your way God will give you power like he gave the apostles power steadfast faith Jephthah said, I have opened my mouth and I cannot go back. Think about that. I have opened my mouth. He had made a vow, a promise unto God. He said, I can't go back. Ecclesiastes 5 and 5. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. That's true with your spouse. You make a vow God expects you to honor it and keep it. And if it's good for your spouse, how much more so to God? Woo! God said, be better for you not to make a vow to me than to make a vow and break it. Same with your spouse. It's that way with God. He's looking for a steadfast faith and revelation be thou faithful unto death and I will give unto thee a crown of life is your faith vigilant 
valiant, victorious is your faith, a steadfast faith. Paul told them throughout his epistles to them as to how his faith should be demonstrated. Paul shows throughout this whole letter that our faith is a practical faith as well as a dynamic faith. It's practical as well as dynamic. Let's go into the second point. Not only should we take stock by personal examination, we should take stock by personal demonstration. In verse 5, he said, again, not only examine yourselves, but prove yourself. If personal examination proves that there is a sound faith and that this sound faith is both saving and steadfast, then there must be a demonstration of that faith. You can't just say it. I believe it. It's more than just words on paper. It's more than words in a book and you pass an exam and say, this is what I believe and that's it. No, the apostle Paul said, I not only came unto you with enticing words of man's wisdom. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a student of the word of God. No doubt he had a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and a doctorate law. He could have had all of that, all that paperwork hanging up in his office to tell about his book learning. He said, no, no, not only with words, but in the demonstration and the power of the Spirit of God so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but it would rest in the power of God Almighty. Hallelujah to God. Paul told them throughout his epistles that their faith should be demonstrated. He shows us throughout this whole letter that our faith is something practical as well as dynamic. Listen. He says it expresses itself, number one, in a life of prayer. Talking about the demonstration of your faith. If we're to demonstrate our faith, it should express itself in a life of prayer. First Corinthians, I'm de- all these texts I'm dealing with for the most part is either in the first letter or the second letter to this Corinthian church. It's to this church he asked them to examine their self. If our faith is to be demonstrated, it should express itself in a life of prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 4. He's constantly mentioning praying or prayer. In verse 4, he talks about every man praying. In verse 5, he speaks to every woman that prayeth. He dealt so intensely with them on the subject and topic of prayer that he discussed their apparel, what they should wear while they were in prayer. Listen, does your faith show itself in a ministry of personal prayer? Does your faith reveal itself in a ministry of public prayer? Hello? Do you pray at home? Your spouse needs to see it. Do you pray at home? Your children need to see it. Do you pray at home? Your grandchildren need to hear you pray at home. They need to know Jesus is not a church figurine. They need to know he's alive. They need to know he rules, reigns, and governs your heart. 
Hallelujah to God. You want to know how they know you're alive? They see you. They hear you and they converse with you every day of their life. And when they see you doing that with Christ, they'll know he's alive. Listen, does your faith reveal itself in a ministry of prayer? Do you pray at home? Do you move into the altar in response to the word to pray? I know people that want to go to church, but they don't want to go to the altar. My, my question has always been, why? Why go to church? Why say you love God, believe in God, need God, desire God, if you don't want to talk to God? Faith is demonstrated. It is expressed in prayer. We know Daniel believed in God because he prayed. Whoa! If a man believes that God answers prayer, he's going to pray. Oh, thank God I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Amen. It, it not only expresses itself in prayer. Listen, do I move into the altar in response to, to, to the preaching to pray? Do I attend the prayer meeting? It also expresses itself in a life of fellowship. 1 Corinthians 1 and 9, God is faithful. We preached that just a few weeks ago. God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. By whom you were called under the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Matthew 18 and 20, for two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. That's fellowship with one another as well as fellowship with Christ. First Corinthians 5 and 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, he speaks unto them under the assumption that they're going to come together, worship together, and have church together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but all the more as we see the day approaching. Jesus said, You should come together, fellowship one with another and with Christ. There's the assumption throughout the New Testament gospel that if you are saved, that if you say, I believe Jesus uh, lived, died, rose again, ascended to the Father, prayed that the Father would send us the Holy Ghost, uh, that you claim to be born again, have an up-to-date experience with God, that you will go to church. Yes, hallelujah. I hope somebody listens to this by CD or over the internet. One of the greatest expressions of your faith is to dress yourself up, get in your car, on your bicycle, or put your shoes on and go to church. Hallelujah. I felt that better than y'all did. Amen. I like going to church. I always have. The Lord tarries, I plan on always loving to go to church. If I ever get to dreading it, I need to pray through. Amen. Not only should our faith express itself in prayer and in fellowship, it should also express itself, demonstrate itself in a life of giving. And never, I've never known there to be a problem with that here. But if you're not a giver tonight, let me encourage you. Your faith, if you, if you have a sound faith, a saving faith, a steadfast faith, it should be demonstrated in a life of giving. 
in his two epistles to the church in Corinth. He spake most precisely to this church throughout both of those epistles on the subject of giving. Giving as an expression of sound, saving, steadfast faith. He spake of sacrificial giving. He actually spake of hilarious giving. He said God, in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, For God loveth a cheerful giver. You look it up in the Greek, in your Strong's Concordance, it means cheerful, hilarious. Woo! Ha-ha! <laughs> I get to give to the Lord. I mean, you hilariously give to God. Come on, Brother Eddie, that's just preacher talk. Nobody really acts like that. Sure we do. You're absolutely right we do. I adore my grandchildren in case you didn't know. When I'm near them, I am a hilarious giver. It thrills me to give to them. I give them my love. I give them my kisses. I give them my comfort. I give them food, which is substance. I give them provision. I give them shelter. And I am hilariously glad to do it. That is the way we should love God. Hallelujah. I said that is the way we're to love God with our giving. It cheers my heart to to do for God. It cheers my heart to give myself to him in prayer. Give myself to him in fasting. Give myself to him in Study, give myself to him in labor, in work, in service. I'm not doing it begrudgingly. Listen, I walked through this morning. It's been raining all week long. I was sick as a dog all week long. But nature don't stop when we do. I was sick, couldn't do anything about it. It's raining anyway just about every day. Weeds lined up along the edge. Bible in one hand. Stuff just walking and picking those weeds up getting me a handful of them walking back over to the grass finding some more picking them up throwing them out in the grass I didn't curse under my breath I didn't call nobody else sorry but this is my father's house see a Marlboro pack that somebody tossed off the highway out in the front of the gravel just walk over and pick that nasty pack of old used cigarettes up and toss in the dumpster why this is my father's house. I will give myself to the service and the labor of this Christ. Why would you do that? Because I love him. Woo! Hallelujah to God. Because I love him. I do it for my children. I do it for my grandchildren. I do it for my God. I know some people do for their children, their grandchildren but wouldn't do it for God. Hello. I mean, you're asking a little too much, preacher. No, I'm not. He loves a cheerful giver. Somebody that's glad to do it. Are we this way with God? Does our faith express itself with a smile? Don't tell me you got the Holy Ghost when you're always meaner than a junkyard dog. 
Don't tell me you got the joy of the Lord when you can't even clap your hands. When you can't even give the Lord a little wave offering. When it just plumb disgusts you to have to stand to your feet and love the Lord. Oh my God. If men will stand to their feet and give Mr. Obama, you know, a standing ovation when he says nothing. You can believe when the truth of God's word is poured out into my hearing. I can stand on my feet and lift both hands and say hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I believe it. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Faith expresses itself. Cheerful giving. The tenth, the tithe, he demands. The offering, he deserves. I said the tenth, he demands. But the offering, he deserves. Listen, our faith should also be expressed, demonstrated in a life of witnessing. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. Soul winning. Personal evangelism. Corporate evangelism. Go into all the world. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria. And unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He says in 1 Corinthians 9 and 22, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Did you or have you led a soul to Christ in the last week? If not, you have missed a blessing. Where are you going? Where have you been? Why do you go? <laughs> I live under the mandate under the great commission go go there's somebody that don't know there's somebody that hasn't heard there's somebody that hungers and thirsts I live to tell this story oh God 22 years ago he saved my soul he become a living reality in my life from that day to this day I live to tell the story First Corinthians 3 and 9, for we are laborers together with God. You're going to make God do it by himself. We are laborers together with God. <laughs> if any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. Be God's mouthpiece. Be God's voice. Corporate evangelism outreach preacher can't go everywhere preacher can't do everything some places God calls us to go some things God is asking us to do God has a ministry for you hallelujah it's one that he'll bless you it's one that he'll anoint you it's one that he'll prosper in your hands had people before tell me preacher I gotta go I gotta go find me in another church there ain't nothing for me to do here you got a bass player you got a drummer you got you some singers you got you some teachers you and brother Corey you got the preaching ain't nothing for me to do here I think my goodness 
There's a big world out there. Big world. And some weeks I'm tired and some weeks I'm sick and some things I can't do for 16 years. Going on next year, go into the 17th year, into that RV park. Early for four to five months during that winter season, going into the spring season. Preaching to somebody that wants to hear. Anybody that wants to know. Why why you want to go? Because they deserve to hear it. And if I don't go, maybe nobody will. I can't do everything. I can do some things. Years ago, God pulled me out of the prison and said, The day will come when I'll pull them out of the pew of this church. This church was struggling. That was the only thing God was prospering. This church was struggling. I'd come back and give reports of revival. I took the school of Christ into the prison. I'm telling you, there was a natural-born, heaven-sent, devil-killing revival going on in that prison. I mean to tell you, miracles were happening. Guards were being saved. Even the warden himself wanted a school of Christ manual. Pulled me in the office one day and said, look. He said, he said you're the most polarizing man in the prison. I said, me? Why? I'm probably the quietest, easygoingest, friendliest person that walks on these ground. Have I broke a rule? Said, no. You're upsetting the apple cart. I said, what have I done wrong? He said, you go either in that, uh, either in the, uh, the sanctuary on Sunday or in that honor dorm. Not on Sunday, on Saturday or on that honor dorm on Thursday. He said, you preach. And you preach like a wild man. I said, are there no other preachers that preach like that? He said, yes, there are. But strangely, you're the only one that gets under their skin. I said, so if other guys are screaming, but they're not bothering them, the other guys must not be saying anything. He said, maybe not so. He said, but half the guards here love you and testify for you, and the other half hates your guts. He said, and I'll tell you one thing, every Muslim on this yard despises Thursday and Saturday in this prison because they know you're going to gather all these men and you're going to have an hour-long prayer meeting, an hour of preaching, and another hour of prayer meeting. Said they can't stand to hear you bunch pray. You pray as loud as you preach and you speak in other tongues. He said, I got the Muslims want me to let them do the Muslim call of prayer over the loudspeaker and I say won't never happen and they said why we can hear that preacher over this whole yard and we want people to hear us he said quiet down will you I said are you telling me or asking me he said I'm telling you he said because I'm not going to let them Muslims over that loudspeaker I said you're asking a hard thing but you can't ban those inmates. I said, I'll whisper and let them do the praying. Woo! Hallelujah to God. I just pace back and forth and pray under my breath and I let them ring the prayer bells of heaven. Oh, glory to God. I teach, preach, you know, kind of soft and under control, tamed, if you will, holding back, filtering as much as I could of the glory of God. I let them shout me down while I preached. 
I brought that back to the church and I tell those stories and the church was struggling. I had some that got upset. He loves them murderers. He loves them rapists. He loves them whatever they are more than he loves us. That's all he talks about. Uh, that, that seems like that's where he wants to be. Where I heard somebody say it got back to me one day. Hurt my feelings. Not because they said anything ugly about me, because it grieved the Holy Ghost. Hurt my feelings. I was in this altar crying. I said, oh God, don't take care about souls. I don't care where a soul comes from. I don't care where a man's at when he gets born again. Just wanting to be born again. Don't care if it's in the church, on the street, in the prison, in a rehab. Don't matter to me. Just want to see somebody get born again. And the Lord said, I called you to plant this church. It's struggling right now. It's carnal. It's small. It's immature. It's weak. It's just an infant. It's a baby. You pull out of that prison and focus on this church. You love them anyhow. You pray for them. You lead them. You you decide. I want a church on the side of this highway. I'm going to establish a Pentecostal church. It's going to grow and mature. And one day, off of the pews of that church, I'll send men and women into those prisons and they'll do what you're doing. I've been here long enough now to start to see it come to pass. Wow! Hallelujah! Is your faith one of a life of witnessing last closing with this take stock of your life by personal realization examination also demonstration but also personal realization. In that same verse number five, he said, Know ye not your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Personal realization. He says you cannot examine and then demonstrate faith without knowing two things. Number one, if you'll come help me cursing, I'm through. Number one, you are a committed Christian. I'm committed. I'm in this thing for the long haul, sold out, locked, stock, and barrel. Till Jesus comes, or I draw my last breath, I'm committed. Be thou faithful unto death. I'll give unto thee a crown of life. You can't examine your faith and then demonstrate your faith without knowing, number one, you're committed. You're sold out. You're a Christian no matter what, no matter where, no matter with who. I remember when I first got saved, my cousin was in Marine Corps. All my childhood, he'd had a big influence on my life. We were living in Satsuma Skippy. Most of you have met him here, you know him. Just growing up. He was six years older than me. He taught me how to get in trouble. He taught me everything to do that I shouldn't have done. Taught me how to sneak, how to lie, how to do everything I shouldn't have done. He always had an influence on my life. We always had a blast together, done things together. More like kind of an older brother 
when we were together than he was a cousin. I loved him. I'd gotten saved. He was gone, serving on tour when he came back. His wife was living at the house. Come back home. He said, hey, I'm in town. They had found him a place just prior to him coming back. His wife had lived with us before, but he said, hey, I'm in town. I said, I want to get with you. Appreciate y'all helping Rhonda as much as you did while I was gone. He said, figured I'd come by and we'd hang out for a little while. Comes riding up, Brother Daniel. He got a big old tall boy in a paper bag. He's already popped the top on his. He hands me that other one, that paper bag. He said, pop that top, boy. Kill that thing. What you waiting on? He don't know I'm saved and I ain't told him yet. I mean, I'm saved. He knows what it was. Our grandpa was a preacher. I popped the top off that thing, put it to my mouth, took a little old sip. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost in me said, you can't. I know you look up to him and I know you think he ain't never going to fool you again. But you need to tell him. We rode around for a better part of an hour. I mean, I ain't even I ain't even knocked the top off of it. it. It's all the way up to the top. He said, are you going to nurse that the whole time? I said, I'm going to pour it out when we get somewhere. He said, pour it out. What's wrong with it? I said, ain't nothing wrong with it. I said, it's with me. He said, what's the matter? I said, God say it. He said, when that happened? I said a few months back, I said, I ain't like you. I can't go on living this way, knowing Jesus is coming. I can't stare death in the face on the foreign field, knowing people are shooting bullets at me. And if I die, I'm going to hell. I can't do it no more. I've did it all my life. I said, I, I, I surrendered to him. I got born again. I'm saved. I'm sorry if you don't like me no more and you don't hang out with me no more and we ain't buddies no more. I don't live that life no more. He took that thing out of my hand. He poured it out the other side of the window. And he said, no, no. He said, that's our heritage. He said, you're a better man than me. I'm proud for you. You know what? He quit me. We get family get-togethers. I walk in, they walk out. They're telling the jokes. I walk in, want to fellowship, want to talk to them. Ain't seen them in a long time, want to love on them. I walk in, ain't nothing for them to say to me. They walk out. Kill me. Get ostracized by your own family. But hey, I'm saved. No matter what, no matter where, and no matter who. I'm in. I have no intentions of ever getting out. Shalabahosanda. Committed no matter what to live this life for God. 
He said, you're, you're either going to know. If you examine yourself and then demonstrate your faith, you're going to know that you're committed or you're going to know you're a counterfeit. He said, know ye yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, lest you be reprobates. You're going to know that Jesus lives in you or you're going to know that he don't. You're going to know you're just doing this for mama and daddy. You're just doing this putting on a smoke screen so they'll leave you alone. So they'll back off. So they won't hound you and pressure you. Hello, I live that life. I live that way my, my whole teenage existence was just doing enough to get mom and dad to leave me alone, to stay off, blowing a smoke screen, going to the rallies, going to the altar when the altar call is given, just doing enough to exist, religiously exist. I knew I was not born again. I believe there is such a young person in this house tonight, and that is exactly why the Holy Ghost would not let me give an altar call when we were worshiping because God said I need them to lose the counterfeit tonight and be committed we're living too close to the trump of God for you to carry a fake ID for you to have counterfeit Christianity If you examine yourself and you live a life of demonstration, you have to know either you're saved or you're not. And I want to ask you tonight, as God's ambassador, as God's oracle, as God's man, as God's representative, I want to know what it is. Are you saved or ain't you? Are you saved or not? Is your faith genuine or counterfeit? Are you blowing a smoke screen for mom and dad? Are you sold out behind their back and somebody pops a top? Say, what's the matter? I ain't living that life. I'm not doing that. If you don't ever speak to me again, if you walk out when I walk in, I'm done with sin. I belong to God. Whatever you want to do, I know what I'm going to do. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord.